Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comment section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. I am making an all-out push to back the campaign of the one who is the most capable of leading us both now and into the future. I am campaigning for the kingdom of God where Jesus is king both in 2020 and forever. We're in the midst of a message series called Kingdom of God, Jesus 2020 and forever. And it's this idea that Jesus is a ruler, King Jesus, and he has a agenda or a party that he is leading, the kingdom of God. As I said in the message to jumpstart this series, I'm inviting you to explore with me this very powerful and liberating truth for those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ. And that truth is, you have a ruler, his name is Jesus. It is not only a spiritual kingdom of spiritual matters, but it, his authority and power extend into everyday thinking and doing. He has a platform or a set of convictions by which Jesus leads from and he runs the kingdom from. And those who are on board with his kingship are also on board with his platform. He also has a way of distributing this power and authority, this politic, and he addresses matters that affect all kinds of people, groups, and individuals. Jesus was very, very political and then controversial as well in the things that he talked about. He was accused of leading an uprising. He was accused of starting a rebellion that would place him as king over this new kingdom. Now, why is this important? Why should we, if we're followers of Christ, or even if we're talking to others about what it means to have Jesus as king, why is it important for us to have this frame or this perspective through which we view Jesus as king and the kingdom of God? Well, the reality is, if we only believe Jesus to be king and his kingdom to exist only to address spiritual matters, we are far more likely to turn to the principalities and powers, the rulers of this world, the government structures that have been put in place by humans, we are far more likely to use those structures to address the needs within the world around us than the kingdom of God if we think Jesus only addresses spiritual issues. But if we understand that Jesus Christ has come to be king and bring a kingdom to this earth, even as it exists in heaven to bring that kingdom to earth, then we're more inclined to view the needs and the issues of the world around us through how is it that Jesus can address these versus how can we co-opt human structures to accomplish these things. This message uh, that I'm bringing today is, will outline the platform of Jesus the King. Every group that wants authority in people's lives, wants power in people's lives, they want to win over the hearts and minds of uh, those who are listening to them. They have an agenda that communicates what it is that they want to accomplish. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us about Jesus's ministry and they remind us that at the very center of Jesus's ministry was this proclamation of the kingdom of God. That he went from town to town healing those who were broken in body and in spirit and he proclaimed that the kingdom of God had come to them and then he taught them what that meant. What did it mean really when the kingdom of God had come?
Well, let's pray as we look at Jesus's platform, because when we sign on to Jesus as King, we're also saying that, yes, Lord, we embrace this platform. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead our time. Lord, we still our mind and our spirit, we still our body. We just speak peace over this place where we're at in the moment. And that's a, a significant part of what your kingdom does. It says that of your government and of peace, there will be no end through your leadership. And so with all the anxiety, all of the tensions that are uprising around us in the United States during this, this season of election, uh, during this time where powers and authorities are, are looking to be put in place, that, Lord, we find ourselves at peace in you, that we recognize you are king and that your kingdom has come. And that's an opportunity for us to fully embrace it, to fully embrace that citizenship that we have in heaven as the kingdom of God has come to us. And so we thank you for this time in the word. May we be ones who receive and who are receptive to both hearing and then receiving to the, the commandment, the commission to live out your kingdom here on earth, even as it is in heaven above. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the speaking of this message, the campaign for U.S. presidential power uh, has been underway. And the two candidates for the major, major political parties, both Democrats and Republicans, they've held debates for the presidential position and also the vice presidential uh, debates have taken place. Now, typically the idea of a debate is that uh, the, there's put forth a question that invites a candidate to state his or her platform regarding that issue and then make the case for why their position on that particular topic is the best way, uh, why the opposing candidate um, doesn't have the best uh, position on this, but that why my, if I'm a political candidate, why my view is the best view, why my platform is the best platform. And then the opposing candidate gives a response or rebuttal to the issue, et cetera. It goes on that way. Now, the concept is that ideas are put forward and the listening public can choose between those platforms to their best desired view, the one that they think is the best for themselves and for their, their communities. Now, this is a great concept, but really what happens, and if you've watched these debates at all, what typically happens is each candidate works to mischaracterize the other uh, so that when you're done listening, you're really not that much more informed about their platforms. You just wish you had your hour back to read a book or spend time with, with loved ones and do something that you care more about. Very rarely do you have a more clear picture of what these leaders will actually do if elected because they intentionally speak in generalities or distort statistics in ways that communicate things that you're really not too sure what they've done or what they plan to do. Now, I wanna assure you that slamming politicians is not the goal of this message, but it is to point to the reality 
that the principalities and powers at work within human kingdoms and human power structures, uh, even when used by those who are well-intentioned, what typically happens is that they involve win-at-all-cost philosophy, uh, which then includes deception, manipulation, and corruption. Again, this isn't a dark perspective. It's the reality that we could look at throughout all of history, not only in United States politics, but since the world has begun and there's been political structure and ways of governing over people, uh, power has been misused and abused. And that's because of the human nature tendency of sin is to lord it over people instead of serving others. So as I stated in the first message of this series, Jesus did not come to co-opt human power structures. But instead, he came to bring the kingdom of God from heaven and bring it to earth. He wasn't looking to take control of the principalities and powers of this wor world, but to instead to usher in the kingdom of God that didn't already exist upon the earth. So he wasn't trying to find ways to instill his authority using the structures of earth, but he was bringing the power structure and the ethic or the politic of the kingdom to earth itself. Now, this was not readily apparent to his followers. Uh, you know, it became more clear as time came on, uh, as they understood that King Jesus was delivering the kingdom to them. But it wasn't that it was readily understandable to them at the beginning. Uh, the more he said it, the more they understood that King Jesus was delivering a kingdom to them that had its roots in heaven and not in earth. The platform that Jesus presented was not vague promises of how life would be better because someone was going to fix your life for you. Instead, Jesus stood up before the crowds and told them that before a restoration could come to Israel, that before they could be free from oppressors out there, that he was going to set them free from the oppressors in their own hearts, that he was going to bring about a revolution of their very soul instead of a revolution of the structures around them. It's with this understanding that Jesus stood on a hillside along the sea and he presented what it would look like if you were to make him king and to embrace his kingdom. No deception, no manipulation, no corruption. Out in the open for all to hear, Jesus said, this is what it looks like when I'm king and the kingdom has come to you. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. Says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you 
and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if there was ever a platform that sounded less political, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> you can see why the disciples didn't catch on to it right away. This sounds nothing like the platforms of worldly powers, does it? It sounds on the opposite end of the spectrum of what we often hear in terms of the political debate or uh, platforms that people present here in this world. Here's what we're used to hearing about. We're going to lead with power and dominance. We're going to make promises that your life is going to be easier if we're in power. Life will be so much better for you. You'll be able to get wealthier and healthier under this administration. How about this last one? Nobody will infringe on your life. You'll get to live life the way that you want it. These are the promises. These are the types of things that we're accustomed to hearing from the power structures of this world. Those all sound like the promises of every campaign that I've heard. And they're the very things that every Israelite wanted to hear from Jesus. Just because there's been a gap of time doesn't mean that people haven't wanted to hear the same things. No new Roman taxes, no restrictions on our movements, safer travel to and from areas that we want to go without the influence of the Samaritans, less government interference from Rome. I mean, really, this is exactly what they wanted to hear from someone leading in a new kingdom into their lives. It's the same things that many folks want to hear today from the structures of this world. And then comes Jesus proclaiming the platform of the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Unlike any before him or any since or any that will ever come after him, Jesus makes an invitation to join him to crown him as king and join him in the kingdom of God. This invitation is not to a life that's going to be delivered to you by somebody in authority over a government structure. This is the invitation to a life that is going to come to you because Jesus is going to renovate your heart. He's going to change you from the inside out. It is not a life that is delivered for better economic policy, better law and order, uh, better foreign policy, better social policy. Jesus doesn't promise to change all those things out there. He promises to come and change what's inside of you first. And then and only then do we have the opportunity to begin to change what's happening outside of us. In one of his most picturesque images when Jesus talks about correction because religious leaders were telling people what they needed to do, how they needed to fix their lives. And in fact, everything had to do with how you needed to change, how that person needed to change, how the world around them needed to change. Jesus said, why don't you start 
with that log that's in your own eye. And then you can maybe help your brother or sister who has that little speck in their own eye. (laughs) Such a strong picture of Jesus just saying, listen, we so often look out there of what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. And Jesus's kingdom comes and his platform is this. Let's address what's happening in you before you and I start looking at how we're going to fix what's happening out there. The kingdom comes to you because Jesus changes you from the inside out and you find that everything you need for the life you want to live isn't coming to you from somewhere out there. It's coming to you from within your heart as Jesus changes you from the inside out. Listen, hear me on this. You and I don't get this type of life by co-opting kingdoms of this world and trying to put in biblical principles You only get this type of life when you make Jesus the one true king of your life and you start living in his kingdom as your primary citizenship. In other words, biblical principles can be helpful for understanding how to live life, both your life and in the culture around us. Biblical principles are helpful in that way, but they won't bring about the radical revolution that Jesus Christ truly wants to bring It won't bring it about until Jesus Christ has complete control of you and I first. We can't pretend to change culture until we change our hearts and he has possession of everything about our lives. Principles that we often hear in our modern culture are God, family, and country. God, family, and country are are nice simple ways of communicating about what's important in life. But if you or I haven't given Jesus full control of our life, you don't get to experience the fullness of the kingdom in any of those other areas, neither family, country, or God, unless Jesus has full control. Life in the kingdom of God is fully experienced when Christ alone is king and the way of the kingdom directs our steps in this world. Unfortunately, this is not the pathway that many take here in the world in which we live and specifically in the United States. The results of a survey done by the Barna Group, a a Christian uh, research company, uh, tells us that many people speak of faith, but not many include it in their life. They took this idea of God, family, and country And many people view it through that lens that those are the priorities, God first, family second, country third. And they ask them this question, how strongly do these have influence in your life? God, family, and country. Here's what they found in the survey. Here's the way they stated it. God, family, and country might make for a good country music tune, but that's not really how most Americans see the strongest influences in their personal identity. The real order is family first, followed by being an American, and then religious faith was way down the line, if mentioned at all. 62% said that family is part of how they view their identity. They felt a strong association to family. 62%, the highest number identified with that. When asked where, how many of them identified country as part of their identity, 
52%. So they felt like country was also part of their identity. When asked about their faith, do you see your faith as part of your identity? Only 38% responded with a positive affirmation that faith was part of their identity. There's a clear disconnect between Jesus as king and bringing the kingdom of God and how it influences life. It makes for good statements, but apparently it doesn't connect well with us within the church or within the culture around us. It doesn't have a strong pull to it. Jesus is Lord over a religious kingdom for many, but it doesn't really influence their life on their day-to-day living. This past year, through the various issues that are taking place in the world and in our communities, I've seen Christians suggest and even demand that pastors and Christian leaders put constitutional rights at the forefront of their decision-making instead of biblical mandates, or maybe even twist biblical mandates to fit constitutional narratives. Please hear me on this. As I said in the last message of this series, that it's so imperative that we understand that we are citizens of heaven first. And in our dual citizenship, our citizenship as Americans has to find its place somewhere after our citizenship in heaven. Because if we don't take that approach, if Christians have a different approach, the gospel gets very blended and very confusing for those who are trying to hear a clear call of what it means to follow Christ as king and live in his kingdom. It becomes a mix of constitutional rights and biblical mandates and which goes first and which is second becomes confusing if Christ isn't first and his kingdom isn't first and being a citizen in his kingdom isn't our primary message and our primary focus. In no way is this an anti-American perspective. In fact, some have said throughout history that Christian citizens are among the best citizens within their community because of the biblical mandates that we are called as part of our platform to love those as we love ourselves, to lay down ourselves, to sacrifice our own privileges so that we can love others, to honor the emperor, honor those in government and pray for them so that the gospel may be proclaimed without interference. So this is not an anti-citizenship perspective. This is a recognition that following Christ as king, living with his platform, to be the meek, to be the humble, to be those who are loving, helps us to be better citizens, not worse within our communities. For now, as I wrap up this message, I want us to see that we can't take a perspective or an approach to life that says what happens in church stays in church. Jesus has a platform and we should be very clear that when we read from Matthew 5 through 7, often identified as the Sermon on the Mount, this is not some religious platitude that Jesus is speaking to those who are following him. This is Jesus's platform. This is how the kingdom of God works in day-to-day life. 
And there is never in no circumstance an opportunity or should there be a perspective that we can set that aside so that we can engage in the structures and politics of this world. Instead, through the lens of Jesus's platform, and we go back to identifying who are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And we're blessed when others revile us or persecute us on behalf of the gospel. So please hear me on this. This is not an anti uh, an anti-message against the politics of this age. It is an invitation to bring the kingdom of God to the world around us with a completely different ethic, a completely different platform than what people are used to. And in doing so, we not only renovate our hearts, but we begin to renovate what the culture around us looks like. And how deeply the culture around us needs humility and meekness and love and the type of platform that Jesus wants to bring to his people and through them bring it to the world around them. You have a gift in Christ. You have a gift to bring to your family and to your country. But it only comes after you've received that gift in your own life the renovation of your heart by accepting Christ as king, embracing his kingdom, and living out the platform that he has for you. I want to encourage you in this next couple of weeks that you should get into the New Testament and specifically reading from Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Reading the New Testament and understanding how to live out kingdom life is essential to keeping constitutional and Christ cultural Christianity from infringing upon Christ's life. Reading the New Testament and understanding how to live out kingdom life is essential to keeping constitutional and cultural Christianity from infringing upon Christ's rule over our lives. It's important that Christ has first say and his platform holds preeminence over any other politic that we live out within the church. Take some time, read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Hear the platform of Jesus and his kingdom, not as a religious text for how to be a nice person or a spiritual person, but for how understanding how Jesus' revolution of bringing the kingdom of God takes place and what it will really take for you and I to embrace it and live truly as Christ with our King and his kingdom coming into our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we want to embrace your platform. We want to embrace how you see the world around us and people around us. And there's such a strong pull, Lord, for us as the people of God to join into the way that the culture approaches politics by dominance, by aggression, by even twisting truths by picking sides and dividing up between people. But Lord, clearly, as we read your platform, as we read from what you spoke to people about how we are to live, it is a polar opposite to this. That we don't get to engage in the church in one moment and then leave the church and engage in the world in another. That the entirety of our life, of who we are, 
should be based upon how you view the kingdom and how it's to come to this world. We need the consistency, God, both in our life in the body of Christ, but also engaging in the world around us to have that consistency that with the Christian, there is no such thing at win at all cost. There is the calling to deny ourselves, take up our cross and to daily follow you, to walk in humility and meekness. There is no other way in the kingdom. And when we engage outside of that, Lord, how we step out and how we grieve your Holy Spirit, when we engage in name calling, when we engage in, in picking human authority, Lord, over you. And so help us, empower us to follow you, to pursue you through this season, to embrace your platform as our own and the way in which we approach life and live it out. Thank you for it. And thank you for empowering us through your spirit to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. As you go in the power of the spirit, bringing the platform of Jesus, and you are one of those who are blessed as you're changed from the inside out. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.